Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck, and this is Paige Peck. Hi. And we are going to be talking today about family culture and shifting your family culture, transforming it into that type of feeling, that type of family that you want to have at your house. I know there's something that's in the back of your mind that you've been thinking, this is the type of family I want. Now, how come I keep getting hung up on some of these other things? So today we're going to be discussing family culture shift. We look at everything on the Teaching Self-Government podcast through the lens of self-government. So what is self-government? Self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing a knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them, which means that a person finds their ultimate freedom through being able to assess themselves and the world around them and make plans for greater personal success. And as a family, it would be greater familial success. So today in particular, we're talking about how to govern our families so that we can have increased self-government. If a person doesn't feel like they have government over themselves, then they become very disempowered. They either are entitled or, or feel vulnerable, like somebody else has to take care of them all the time, or they end up feeling like somebody else is controlling them or, or their circumstances are controlling them or their emotions are controlling them all of the time. Yeah, they're not quite sure how to handle it. Exactly. Exactly. So before we get started, as we have been making a habit of doing, <laughs> we wanted to talk about a fun thing that you can do with your family, especially um, right now. Lately. Yeah. With all of the coronavirus excitement. Yeah. So with coronavirus right now, everybody's like on lockdown. <laughs> Stay at home. I know. We're, we're like trapped in our houses. I mean, obviously we don't have to be trapped in our houses, but nobody's going out into big groups. They're not going to the city swimming pool. They're not going to the gym. They're not going to plays and sporting events and dance classes. And I know for us, dance and soccer and everything's canceled. And so there's a little bit more time on our hands as a family, which is yeah. great. But it also means that so you got to figure out how to fill your time because some people struggle with that. But something that we love to do as a family is we love to play games. So whether it be at night, you know, whether it be in the middle of the day, you know, whatever, especially since, you know, we're all home together now. And so, you know, we love to have, we call it game night, even though it might not happen at night, but it's a really good alternative to say watching TV all day. And it's actually really fun. It makes for a great bonding time with the family, which actually keys into our topic today, but we'll get to that later. And so we wanted to talk about some of the, the some of our favorite games that we play. And so wait, instead of game night, what are we going to call this? Like uh 
game tournament, game gathering, <laughs> game, because it's not going to be at night, right? Right. Yeah. Do you know, before we get into the list of games that I know that you've made and want to discuss, um, I feel like it's it's worth it to say this whole coronavirus, everybody hunker down at home thing kind of puts home in perspective. It's true. Because all of a sudden home isn't that place just where you sleep and get food and stuff, you know, but, but it's being at time. Yeah. Being at home with the family in the worst situations, that's where we go. Mm-hmm. If we want to be protected, if we want to be healthy, if we want to be safe, that's where we go. We go home. We go home. Yeah. And, and even the governments are saying, go home, just go be home. Mm -hmm. They may want to call it some word like quarantine, but (laughs) But they're just saying, go home. (laughs) Yeah. Go home and stay home. And, and I feel like that just puts it in perspective. How many things do we do on a regular basis that distract us from home? So many. Yeah. Work, there's careers, all sorts of projects. And that doesn't mean those things are bad, but no. like they can throw us into a trajectory where we stop thinking about family and home as a top priority mm-hmm. or even as a source of healing and health and strength for us. Yeah. So anyway, okay, go ahead. I just wanted to, I just kind of wanted to <laughs> bring that, that up. Yeah, plug that in because, because we're, we, you know, we're trying to think of, okay, so here we are in the house. What are we going to do? Right. Yeah, so some of our favorite games that we love to play, one that we've recently been loving, it's called Cover Your Assets. Uh, it's super fun. It's so fun. It, it is a game where you have to not take things personally. But. It's slightly <laughs> addictive. Yeah, it's slightly vicious. Like vicious in a funny way. You have to have a Savage. good attitude. Savage. <laughs> yeah, it's like everyone is a tycoon, but like oh, it changes so all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's one that we love and that we find a lot of joy in. Another one is Five Crowns. There have been times where we've been camping as a family and with extended family where we literally will have whole days. We call them them Five Crownaments, but it's really these tournaments of different rounds of this game called Five Crowns. And it's so, so fun. Um, so if you if you don't know any of these games, go look them up. They're really, really fun. And they're not yeah, too expensive on Amazon or anything. To... But yeah, another one is Scum. You can play it with uh, face cards or there's an actual Scum deck that you can purchase. Uh, we also... I'm not sure if you can purchase it anymore. If so, get it. It's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, another one is Uno, which is a classic, but we put a twist on it and we play it with Jungle Rules. So Jungle Uno, I think you can look it up online. There's a few different variations for the rules and we probably play it with House Rules. but <laughs> House Rules, but Jungle Rules. Yeah. Like, I mean... The thing is, is that just look up Uno Jungle Rules and you'll find a lot of different variations and you can say, we want to play with that piece or that piece or that twist. Yeah, it's kind of a nice mod podge. Yeah. And it it makes it really fun. Makes it a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Even, even like my dad will love to play with us and he gets so into it. It's so fun. Um, Another one is a board game called Pandemic which is actually kind of fun to play right about now. <laughs> Everyone should play Pandemic yeah. right now. <laughs> because it's, it's every, every player against the game. And so in this game, it's got different outbreaks and stuff that you have to try and solve and find the cure for things. And so it's kind of fun, especially right now. Um, another, another is Settlers of Catan. That one is fun. Um, another one is a game called Stupid, which it's a card game. 
but we don't really have time to explain it, but we'll explain it at some other time, but it's super, super fun. Yeah, I mean, the gist of it, is the reason why it has such a, <laughs> such a stupid bad name, name <laughs> such a stupid name, such a bad name is because, and, and like my children growing up, we, I, they weren't even allowed to say the word <laughs> stupid, but we, but we were introduced to this game by a family member and she's like, trust me, you'll know why it's called stupid as we get going. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I didn't love the name of it, but then as we but, went on, yeah, but then there's this point where everybody has to end up taking all these extra stacks of cards <laughs> and the point. whole point is to get rid of your cards <laughs> and then you're like oh and it was like not you feel like it's not your fault and you're like oh, this is so, so stupid <laughs> and then you're like oh that's why the game's called stupid but it is just funny like it's roaring laughter that's and so you can fun. play it with huge groups you just have to have a lot of decks of cards that's on, the only thing yeah decks of cards or those decks of cards that are like missing pieces you're like oh, oh yeah, this one does this one's missing like one king and one number five <laughs> you know it's like you, it. <laughs> you can't use it for anything else and you're like oh, okay we'll play with that yeah. throw in a pinochle deck yeah. and, <laughs> like tons of face cards <laughs> yeah <you're> great <laughs> anyway just so just we'll, cards yeah we'll explain the rules for that one in another podcast because it takes a minute but um another one is we for there was a, a time where we got into dominoes and playing chicken foot dominoes as a family. That was really, really fun. So there's different ways to play dominoes. It's true. Chicken foot like is one of them. train and stuff like that. But we play chicken foot. Yeah. And, and if you don't know how to play chicken foot dominoes, you're going to have to look <laughs> that up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's just a few more that we wanted to mention. Um, we love Racco. Yeah, that's just the basic Racco. Yeah, I was saying that's one of my dad's favorites too. Uh, Rummy Cube or Rummy Cub. We, we don't it? really know how to say it. Yeah, I like but, Rummy Cube. Yeah, I do too. It makes That's, sense. In the Peck family, we call it Rummy Cube, but then we have these other friends we play with, and they're like, oh, you want to play Rummy Cub? Right, and I'm that? like, oh, you mean Rummy Cube? <laughs> you're like, no. <laughs> I don't really know how it's pronounced. We might be doing it wrong, Paige. It's, it's possible. possible. But that's okay. But do we care? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, another one is called Trash Pandas, which isn't necessarily as popular. But. It's a newer game, but I, I, we really like Trash Pandas. It's it's so you're basically trash pandas means you're uh, raccoon. a raccoon <laughs> and so you have to go get trash and and so you roll this dice and it tells you how many trashes you can get <laughs> and stuff but you um you get certain there's certain cards that are worth certain things and um and you roll this dice and see how many cards you can get and you try to lay them in your trash pile so everybody makes a trash pile and in the end what you've got in your trash pile is lets you know how much if you won or not and yeah. so you're just building up trash the concept is fun <laughs> I, yeah i love that i mean people get so creative making these games nowadays but yeah. that was a fun one yeah the next two actually involve dice so we have zilch which involves six dice and uh, if you want rules for that go ahead and look them up the other one is tenzi so each player has 10 dice that you do different things with them and uh, also you can look up rules for there's that game. so many different so many different variations of tenzi yeah it's i so mean fun, you could play tenzi and never get tired of it and like play all these different things for like a whole day <laughs> yeah. yeah we got we got three more uh guess who is one that we played a lot especially as we were a little bit younger but it's oh it's come really on fun. but it can't Quinn, be older, okay too. my oldest son for his wedding 
put guess who on the wedding registry. <laughs> and I was over at his house for dinner with his wife and what we're sitting there playing guess who. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I love, I love that. Yeah. Uh, another one is Bumo, which is a card game, which in, it's like Bumo, you think of as a bomb. Uh, and so you've got different cards that have different times on the, you know, the time bomb or whatever. It's really, really fun. The last one is phase 10, which is a classic. And we love playing that one as a family. We we still get competitive over it. I mean, we like all <laughs> games. We like Clue. We like Monopoly. We like um, Risk we're, and Life. We're kind of game and, connoisseurs. Yeah, I mean, we go through different phases on games. But I think the one thing our family always comes back to is card games. Oh, yeah. Card games, dice games, they're fast. And they're know? less set up less set up they're quick when you get into a monopoly you gotta have some time yeah or when you get into risk you gotta have some time you know um anyway but there's there are so many fun games that we could go on and on i guess but that's a really good easy one that that people could yeah it's a know. good list if you don't yeah. have too many games you can try some of those but yeah so have have game time with your family it's great yeah, and look for cover your assets. That was our oh, number. Yes. That was our number one pick for you today was cover your assets because that's our new favorite right now. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> cover your assets. Trash pandas. Pandemics a must. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, we wanted to get into our our main topic today, which, as we mentioned, was our family culture and a family culture shift. And so we wanted to talk about the word culture. It actually comes from Latin. It does, yeah. It comes from the Latin word culture. Culture means to nourish, to nurture specifically, you know, like you would a, a, a plant, right? Because you would think of that like culture comes from like a, a plant culture or you might think of a culture on a Petri dish, something that's alive. Yeah, so say, or like culture a yogurt or a sour cream or something yeah something that's alive that you nourish right and um and it also means to strengthen okay mm, to important. strengthen to grow um to correct a lot of people don't know that that is part of the actual definition of culture but a, a true culture or a good cultural environment not only has a way to strengthen and teach the people and to nourish and, and take care of the people, but it also has an element of how to correct the people when things go off course, right? So, you know, if you think of multiple different civilizations over the course of history, part of their culture is you know, how they correct problems in their government, in their monetary system, in their homes, whatever. So we're talking about family culture. Yeah. And so family culture is going to include all of these different things. It's going to include teaching and nourishing and nurturing. And so all that love and mm -hmm. compassion and understanding and everything. And, and but then it's going to also require correcting things when they go wrong. No. I know it's going to take, you know, if your family doesn't do any correcting, that would mean your family's permissive. That's the word for that. And there's a few issues there. There are a lot of issues that can come with doing permissive parenting or not fixing things that need to be fixed. And some of those um, can affect a person's 
relationships for their whole life. Mm-hmm. In, in, in fact, instead of making happy people, oftentimes it makes um, angry, dissatisfied, very selfish people, sometimes very manipulative and controlling people yeah. if they're too spoiled. So, um, you know, keeping that in mind is, is important. So if you're not doing any correcting or if there's a home not doing any correcting, that's a permissive family, but their culture with correcting is not to do it. Yeah. Not to pay attention, to ignore that there's a problem or something yeah, like that. A blind eye to it. So still they have a method of correcting. It's just not <laughs> really correcting. <laughs> it's not a proper method of correcting. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I think, you know, when I look at all these different things, we could talk about each one of these things. We could spend time talking about correcting, talking about nourishing, mm-hmm. growing, you know, feeding our families. We could talk about that. But I'd like to talk about strengthening. Because yeah. I feel like, you know, when, when people think of their culture, okay, so I've got a dear friend, Tongan, who, when she talks about her culture, her Tongan culture, her roots, um, whether she's talking about something that bugs her about that culture, because there are a few <laughs> things that bug her about that culture, or things that she really likes about that culture and her identity in that way, um, she still has this sense of pride. Like even if she's like, oh yeah, people steal each other's stuff all the time, you know, and stuff, you know, because it's part of like the cultural way. Yeah. Um, how everyone's raised. Yeah. Even if she says that because it annoys her, she still has this sense of, this sense of strength though. That's like, but that's how, that's how the culture is, mm-hmm. you know? And so even though everything's not perfect there's still a security and a strength that comes from knowing sense of identity yes exactly exactly so so Paige if you were to I mean there's a lot of different ways that we could look at strength right yeah so what does strength look like if you were to try to describe it what would you say oh it depends on what aspect you're talking about I think a big one is emotional strength Emotional strength. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. Because there's so many different aspects where strength can be applied. You know, you've got physical strength um, where you know exercise would come in, stuff like that, whatever. You've got emotional strength, spiritual strength. But I'd say a big one is emotional strength, emotional stability. Especially in this day and age. I think, I think that people are focusing really heavy, and maybe not everyone, okay, but a lot of families are focusing really heavy on physical strength right now. Yeah. Okay, lots of exercise, lots of Health. eating right, healthy, um, that kind of thing. I mean, the Peck family, we've done our own fair share of having discussions about health and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And we all try to self-govern that again and again and again. And But I think that even though so much emphasis is being put there, I don't know if the physical health is as big a problem in our society today as the emotional health. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're on a college campus page. <laughs> what do you see there with emotional health? I mean, I, do you see more people ooh. struggling in your community of friends and, and people in your dorms and, you know, that you go to church with and stuff like that? Do you see more people struggling with physical health or more people struggling with aspects of emotional health? I mean putting mac and cheese and ramen aside 
Yeah, that's not a good <laughs> diet, right? No. So you but... see people eating not in a good way, probably due to financial constraints. Yeah. Hey, a whole 24 pack of rum is only a couple bucks. <laughs> it is, but then, ah, uh, what it does anyway, to you. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah, there's, there are actually so many people that struggle emotionally just because they they've never had to handle things like that on their own before, especially freshmen. I see a lot of emotional issues with them. I had, there was a girl that was in my ward who is one of our friends and she comes over a lot and just rants about, Oh, my, my mom, this, that, and the other, she makes me so mad or, Oh, this boy that I just broke up with. I'm so mad at him, blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's just drama so much drama. I've been really blessed to have roommates that aren't dramatic like that, which is so nice, but there are so many But she's addicted to it. Yeah, it's because it, it creates something exciting in life, and even though she's, she's, she tells us all the time, she says, you know, I can't do this anymore, but she keeps bringing it up like it's the only thing to talk about, because she doesn't know how to let go or how to be emotionally secure. So wait, it's wearing her out. She knows it's toxic for her mm -hmm. to keep having all of this drama in her life again and again and again, yet she she's addicted it. to it. Yeah. She's addicted to the drama. She's addicted to that emotional weakness, mm -hmm. I guess, right? So one of the things a family has to do is they have to lift up the weak right? Yeah. They have to lift up the weak hands. So don't give in to the weak, but lift bring it, mm -hmm. lift it. Yeah. Which is, I think, a sometimes a delicate thing and it's a delicate balance. Yeah. Yeah. And, and some people don't realize, some people don't know that when you're going to, when you're going to lift the weary or lift the weak, that it also requires setting some boundaries, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And even correcting some problems. A lot yeah. of people think you just tell them everything you're doing is just great, is just perfect, is no. just okay. But then you leave them living in a delusional state. Yeah, right? I had to do that with one of my friends, actually. His home environment is not very good. And he needed some correction, some direction with a lot of his emotional stuff. He was very emotionally needy, and I finally just said, "You know what? This isn't this isn't good for you. So you need to stop doing this, and you need to start doing some of this stuff." So you actually gave him recommendations, mm -hmm. and because you had a good enough relationship, then he would take that. Right. He would say, "You're right. Yeah, I do need to do that. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. Thank you for being caring enough. Yeah, no, to bring that to my attention. The time. Because the thing is, is a person who cares about you would actually level with you if they see okay. something you don't see. Mm -hmm. And but they would do it with love, right? Yeah. It wouldn't be with like with anger or anything. It would be like." Okay, we got to get down to what the honest truth is. Because when somebody is trapped in something debilitating, mm -hmm. whether it's drama or, you know, um, feelings of discouragement, you know, whatever it is that they might be dealing with, um, and they need strengthening, the people that are with them that are free from that can more clearly see what they need. Yeah. And so if you love the person and you have a good relationship with the person, you should be able to tell them. Yeah. In fact, we had a situation yesterday where we were talking to someone, you and me, and we were telling them like, Hey, you know, we've noticed that 
you struggle with this. Mm-hmm. And for a long time, you know, for a good solid probably 20, 30 minutes, they didn't want to accept that they had that issue. Even though we were telling them with all love and tenderness and kindness, they're like, hey, we noticed that this is an issue and it's something that we've been dealing with. Well, the person has to be ready to accept it, yeah. right? And so it that's took a, them a minute to get to that place. To, to go, oh, maybe you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because doing self-analysis is a difficult thing, yeah. isn't it? That and can be sometimes it's you almost have to tear down walls inside of your own head sometimes just to be able to analyze yourself. Absolutely. So this culture of strengthening somebody else, um, and strengthening yourself because everyone should feel stronger. You know, from the time I started raising my children, I kept telling myself, I want my home to be a refuge, Mm -hmm. right? A refuge, A a safe place from the storms of life. But then what are some of the storms of life? Some of the storms of life are do whatever you want to do, do whatever feels good. So then what does my refuge look like? My refuge looks like, oh, it looks like right now your emotions are throwing you into bondage. Let's conquer that. Yeah. Oh, right now it looks like there's some selfishness taking over. Let's conquer that. Yeah. Like that's actually a refuge because that's going to bring the person to more freedom. Yeah. Well, and stuff like that, you have to focus on a lot of that is fixed by like physical work. In our house, we call it character building. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the different things because that's a, that's a great one. So there's different ways that we strengthen people and we should probably give our laundry list, right? Of these different (laughs) things. Okay. So So number one, we've been talking about healthy communication, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. That is important. And healthy communication involves this correcting. It involves teaching. But also involves listening. Listening. Yeah. Yeah. And meetings. I mean, we have those are important. Yeah. We have regular meetings with each other, sometimes about one issue, but sometimes just as a family, as a general Hey, how's the family doing? And all of those meetings and corrections and all that kind of stuff are in greater detail in the book, Parenting a House United, which you can find at teachingselfgovernment.com. Mm-hmm. So, and that's the cheapest place to find it, just so you know. Yeah, it's people, true. <laughs> people try to get other places and they're the like, it's it's expensive here or whatever. I'm like, yeah, we'll get it at teachingselfgovernment.com and it's <laughs> We cheaper. sell it the cheapest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So healthy communication, that's one. Um, and then you mentioned work. That's yeah. another one. Well, and I can just remember many times as we were growing up, we, we have like, we have a half acre lot and we, we farm most of it. Uh, you know, we, we grow produce. It's a little mini stuff. farm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't have any animals, sadly, but. It's not that kind of farm. Yeah. No. It's just a no. strictly food growing yes. farm. <laughs> Except for the bees that we've had in years past. Yeah. Those yeah. are fun. But I remember there were many mornings growing up where you would come wake us up and be like, okay, hey, we're going to go work in the garden. Or in our terms, yarden. We're going to go yarden. Yarden. It's an actual <laughs> verb. At our house, we, it is a verb. We have made that word up. Yarden. It is a mixture between the yard work. And the garden. And the gardening. <laughs> yarden. We will yarden today. <laughs> yes. But I know there were many mornings where I didn't want to go. I didn't want to get up and go work in the dirt, get dirty, work hard. But after, because sometimes we'd be out there for multiple hours at a time, depending on what needed to be done. And afterwards, I know I felt, it was almost like a sense of fulfillment. And I felt like, you know, I accepted this and I went with it and I actually found joy in it. There were times where we would, we would play, you know, we'd be sent to 
we'd off in a section with a sibling and we'd pretend that we're like star destroyers we're killing all these ships which are really weeds and we're just pulling them out but we made it fun and it really helped us to become better adults in the end we call you know physical labor like that character building which is true because the antidote for a sick character is work and that comes from samuel smiles actually mm-hmm. and he's an amazing author the book is character mm-hmm. that it comes it's from amazing yeah. deep book yeah fantastic and and when we work together we talk mm-hmm. you know oh yeah we talk and and maybe even sometimes if we don't talk there's just still this bond this unity we're just by each other doing the same thing mm-hmm. working together so work is huge and another side of work is service oh yeah one lady that i really revere she said service is love in action yeah and I thought that was amazing. I wrote it down and I've remembered it ever since. Because really, service is doing something for someone else to help them out. And you not wanting anything in return. It's called self-sacrifice. Yeah. And, and when people think of that term, that probably doesn't bring a lot of comfort. Like, yay, <laughs> I want to go self-sacrifice. But I've got to just tell you. So this whole thing that we do, this teaching self-government thing, okay? We can call oh, it a business, but let's be completely honest. It's a lifestyle. It is a lifestyle, but it's also, this is a personal mission. This is a personal ministry, as it were. Mm-hmm. For me, it's a service. Yes. And, and for you too, Paige, for all of us, our whole family, for many years, this has been part of our family identity. It's who we are. We give this service. And I have to say that even though I don't take pay from this work that I do, I mean, I have to pay people who run things so that I can still be a mom, but I don't take a pay check for it. And, and I'm perfectly happy with that. I actually want it that way because for me, this has always been about what I can do to make the world a better place. And that's all it is. It's just about that. And, and so when I'm giving that service, when people are talking to me at a conference or an event and they're like, let me tell you about something that's happening in my home and what would you do? And I feel honored. Mm-hmm. I feel honored to be able to give my service to somebody else. To be able to have the skills to share with them. Yeah. And, and part of that service too is duty. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a sacrifice, but it's a duty too. Like if you know something, if, if somehow you have been blessed in some way with some truth that can help another person in any way, then don't you have a duty to share that goodness or share that truth? You do, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's where we're at with this is I feel like, look what our family has been given. We have had an incredible life together. I mean, Paige, you're in adulthood now and you probably noticed differences between our family and other oh, people's yeah. families. And I even noticed before I was an adult. Yeah. I mean, there's a difference and we've been incredibly fortunate, you know, to have the family life that we've had. And so we feel a duty to share what we've learned and what we know so that it can help other people anyway. But in the home, what does that service look like? I mean, it looks like a mother waking up in the night. Yeah. Without complaining. It's true. And so, I mean, that goes along with duty as well, but it is a service to you know that child or whoever is in need or for her own self-development I would say service also looks like helping 
at least for me, a lot of times it was helping a sibling out with one of their chores, you know, when they were rushing off to a soccer game or to mm-hmm. practice or to whatever else. So just being willing to help people out in times of need. And it all, for me, it was also sitting down and listening, you know, when my sister was struggling with something. Or I know there were times when I was away for a year and a half, she would email me and she'd be like, hey, so I really like this boy. What do I do with this boy? And so I would, you know, give her my advice. And she's like, okay, but don't tell anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, you know, service can take on so many forms in a family. Mm -hmm. So I think of, um, I think of the, you know, mother who is, or father, they see, okay, my child needs to learn how to cook. My child needs to learn how to do chores. And so they take the extra time to do the training. And that can, so, that can be a stretch. Sometimes. Yeah. And when the child needs correction because they've done something wrong, yeah, they take the extra time to do the training. <laughs> so here you are, you know, service is doing those things when you don't feel like it, mm-hmm. when you would rather just ignore it and move on to your own thing, your own task that needs to be done. No, you're helping another person with theirs instead, you know? Yeah. which is good. So, I mean, you, we could, the, the, the list is endless, right? Waking up and, you know, before the children or and going to bed late. Yeah, exactly. Nursing them through an illness, but just talking to them, giving of them, giving the time, you mm-hmm. know, to them that service, there's just so many different ways and teaching them to give that service to each to other. Yeah. That was something that we always did in our family. Yeah. It was part of our culture in you fact, know. yeah, I, I can remember one of our specific times. Our, my dad is very, very service-minded. And in the winter times, That's his love language. It is. He, he loves to give service. And in the winter times, when it snows, we have a snow a snowblower machine, a pretty heavy-duty one. And he, we live in a cul-de-sac. And he'll go around, and he will snowblow everyone's driveways. And he'll usually bring one of or us kids along to shovel their porches. And it was so fun. I loved going out with my dad when it would snow and I'd be dressed up in my snow pants and my coats and my boots and my gloves. And I would help shovel off the porches of these people. You know, they were our neighbors. They were people that we loved. Some of them we didn't even know. No, because he would do like the whole block. Yeah. Not just the coldest. No, he would do the whole block. And when he ran out of gas, he would send me home to drag the gas tank up to where he was so he could keep going. Yeah, so you served him so that he could serve other people, so that you could keep serving other people. Yeah. And it was it was actually one of those were the best days. And then after we would be done, you know, it would be a couple hours we would spend helping the neighbors out with their snow. And then he would take us all hooky bobbing, which is another fun activity that we hadn't (laughs) don't have time to get into. But that involved me and my siblings, you know, in a sled behind the truck, just going around in the snowy roads. And he would spend time with us, serving us, loving us mm-hmm. after he had already spent a few hours serving the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that he just does. And even when it's not snowing, when he works, he's a plumber by trade. Um, he will be on a job and he'll notice something that the person didn't call for, but he noticed that it still needs to be fixed. And he's like, well, that would take like five minutes. I might as well just fix it. And he doesn't charge him for it. He just sees a need and he fills it. He just does it. That's his heart. You yeah. know, that's where he's at. It's so true. And, um, you know, when, it, when we talk about service as well um, in the family, we made a point 
to not allow any of the children when they were young to just think about themselves and their stuff, their room, <laughs> their friend, their, we did not allow them to go to that place. We said, if you're playing with friends, then your siblings are always invited mm -hmm. to play with you. And if they can't play with you, then you can't play with friends because your siblings are your first friends. Yep. And so we made that a part of our culture. That was yeah. huge. And for there, our were, there were times when we were like, oh, come on. But it was all for the better. Like we may not have liked it from time to time, but it was a really good rule for us to have because we sacrificed then, for each other. Yeah. Because then, you know, as like we were homeschooled so we were already friends anyway with each other but when we had friends over which it was just fun you know and sometimes we just decided you know what we're all just gonna play together it'll be really fun it'll be great and it turned out to be some of the best times ever the friends were often really amazed that that the siblings were so fun mm -hmm. and they got to be really like like the siblings yeah. and be friends with the <laughs> whole family and do you know what it is more fun if you're gonna have a friendship with someone if you like just are friends with them and you don't know any of their family and you go to their house it feels more awkward. awkward but if you know their whole family and all the siblings and you shuck and jive and talk with all oh, of yeah. them it's and way more fun it's way more fun and so we just brought every friend that came over into the whole family unit mm -hmm. instead of just oh you two go pair off and have your friend time and we'll just let you have that yeah, friend no. time we didn't do that no, I remember there were times I had friends come over specifically so that you could teach us how to cook something oh yeah yeah, yeah. it was so fun yeah. Well, so see, I had to sacrifice to do stuff with you and your friends. Yeah. I had to serve that. But she was always right? present and it was actually, it was actually kind of fun. Yeah. So you served your siblings when your friends were over. I served you when your friends were mm -hmm. over, right? Everybody was serving all of the time. And so that service mindset is so within important. the siblings with each other, serving, sharing and whatever. That doesn't mean you didn't have a bad minute from time to time. Yeah. But by and large, I have to say I was raised in a family that had probably you know, quote unquote, regular sibling, sibling rivalry. <laughs> uh, we have had pretty much nothing in our family compared to what would be considered regular, regular sibling rivalry. And so, you know, I mean, I bet Paige, you probably can only remember probably a couple of instances where you had a, a disagreement with somebody and it never went to blows or, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so there really was a great strength in the culture yeah. of the whole family because everyone served each other and yeah. cared about each other. Yeah. So that one is, it's very important when it comes to, well, that's a lot of that is physical stuff, but it helps fix physical strength and emotional strength. Yeah. Well, cause the bonding mm -hmm. that happens there yeah. when you're serving each other, you bond. It's true. And so that's another key ingredient to strengthening somebody mm -hmm. in the family culture is to have this culture of bonding yeah. where it's like, no matter what happens, we're, we're here, we're tight, we're bonded. Um, you know, and we can talk to each other about anything and not take it personal. And that's the way our family is healthy, really healthy, yeah. emotionally and loving and depending on each other, but also giving to each other. Mm -hmm. That's, that creates a good, healthy bond. So there's a few other things, I mean, that we could talk about, um, as far as strengthening each other and things that family can, families can do. One thing that families can do is they can fo focus on sharing strong beliefs, right? So, mm -hmm. So whether you're religious or not, but pretty much every family has a core belief system. Yeah. 
And so I know our family, we are religious. And so something that we all do together is, um, you know, we pray, but we also have different religious practices that we all do together as a family. And that brings us yeah, we read so scripture and discuss yeah. and go to church together. But, you know, when we pray together, I mean, when our family kneels in a circle and prays and we do our little family handshake after, <laughs> I mean, that's like who we are, mm -hmm. you know, it's beautiful. And, um, and it brings the family to truth. It does. And really and the family, the on. family is a source of truth for someone for their whole life. Yeah. In fact, because like when someone gets older, they're going to be like, okay, well, my parents did this, so, so it must gonna, be right. They're going to think that's the way. Yeah, exactly. Which Whatever. Is why there's so many issues with families sometimes because it's just generational. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, and the thing is, is that like, if a, if a parent has a problem, if a parent has a hangup of some sort, yeah. uh, dollars to donuts, guess who <laughs> else is going to have that same hangup? Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Exactly. <laughs> that child is going to make the same excuses, have the same mm -hmm. problems, the same, same social hangups, hang the yeah. same beliefs, everything, because it's trained. Unless that someone groomed. brings them, brings truth to their attention or to their you know, right and they choose to go oh yeah. and make a change yeah. <laughs> they have to want to make a change at that point right mm -hmm. absolutely so you know all of this really has to do with maybe the last element that we would discuss which is the heart mm -hmm. yeah you know and and the heart of of the family which means the unity in the hearts of all of the individuals in the family and mm -hmm. uh, i mean what kinds of things you know are we talking about here that that really make a great heart I know a big one for me is humility, you know, being willing to let go of your pride and to be teachable. In fact, that was, that was so much easier said than done. Yeah. I would say that was something that we talked about with uh, the person that we were talking with yesterday was, Hey, you know, humility is a key factor here to, you know, really understanding and accepting this flaw. And that's something that I've really had to, develop and cultivate in my own life is a sense of humility because you know i'm a very i can be a very headstrong stubborn person really no shocking <laughs> <laughs> say it isn't so <laughs> but um that's also why you're good at self-governing yeah it's because i've found something that works for me and something that i've seen is good and focuses on truth and so i'm i'm stuck on it i'm not going anywhere but Humility is something that's been really big for me is being able to analyze myself and see where I have issues because I'm not perfect mm. and being able to say, okay, you know, that's an issue. We need to fix that. And a self-governed person, no matter how stubborn or strong-willed they are, if they really are self-governed, then they will have humility. Mm. Well, because you can't actually be self-governed and have that spirit of change. Like I'm going to change yeah, myself. I'm going to work on myself without being humble, which requires honesty. Yeah. Okay. Which goes back to our strong beliefs on honesty, <laughs> our principles. These things are all tied together. All connected. Yeah. But you know, it, it also makes you teachable. If you're humble, you're teachable. Um, if you're humble, you're more caring, mm -hmm. compassionate, um, more accepting, understanding. understanding. 
loving yeah yeah of of other people so there's just a lot of things that are are wrapped in that condition of heart yeah but the bonding does more for that condition of heart than really almost anything so creating that strong bond in the culture and and maybe parents don't exactly know how to bond you know sometimes because i think a lot of people think spoiling or giving things like giving worldly things is is bonding but but how would you say i mean bonding with you i know we don't have much time we got to wrap this up but um but bonding with you as a child like what were the key things that you remember bonding maybe you can't even pick them out maybe they were in everything i don't know but like but like what what are the key things that were bonding that you feel like helped with bonding i think there were times when you showed me how to do something like when you're like here let's make mac and cheese together you know at least you'll know how to make mac and cheese (laughs) or hey you know come help me in the garden or um like hey let's just talk you know let's go on a walk Mm -hmm. and whether it was for actual exercise or for the conversation we had while we were exercising i mean both well yeah yeah (laughs) two birds with one (laughs) (laughs) um but a lot of that time it wasn't when I received anything. In fact, I can't even remember most things that I received for Christmas or birthdays or whatever. Um, but it was the sentiment behind what I received or knowing that, you know, you meant well, or you mm-hmm. and dad were giving me something to help me become a better person, <laughs> whether that be deodorant or whether that be, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's vital, <laughs> but it was, it was those times when you took time out of what you were doing to help me become a better person, to have more life skills. To see what you needed. Yeah. 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 Oh, there's probably so many different things we could talk about there. I, I have to say, I, I was hyper-focused on bonding with you guys. Because and you done did good. <laughs> I, did, I did. I was, I was like, everything has to be about bonding. It's not about, it's not about dishes. Yeah. It's not about dishes. It's not about math. It's not about chores. This is about being united as a family. I don't even know how many times I told myself that in my head. Mm. This is about being united as a family. So when, (laughs) when, when my husband said, you should call your book, Parenting a House United. I was like, of course I should. (laughs) That is the perfect thing because that's what goes through my head all the time is we need to be united. Mm -hmm. We need to be united. We could talk so much more about family culture and being united. We will give you more uh, information as we go along with these podcasts. Thank you for joining us today. And, uh, you know, this is one timely thing, but wherever Mm -hmm. you are with the coronavirus, don't be afraid, okay? (laughs) Just Don't be afraid. Just enjoy the time with your family and wash your hands and if you get sick then guess what get help then then you're probably going to be okay most people are going to probably be just fine so don't worry about it don't have a spirit of fear that teaches your children to be afraid yep. and we don't need and that's not the truth anyway they don't need to have more anxiety nope. so give them the security the strength that comes from just bonding as a family during this time just do that you can find more information on teachingselfgovernment.com we will talk to you again next time see ya You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.